Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwans, and today is the 25th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and And on on earth peace peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, Have mercy on us, for you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who founded all the commands of your sacred law upon love of you and of our neighbour, grant that by keeping your precepts we may inherit to attain eternal life. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. Seek the Lord while he is still to be found. Call to him while he is still near. Let the wicked man abandon his way, the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn back to the Lord who will take pity on him, to our God who is rich in forgiving. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways, not your ways. It is the Lord who speaks. Yes, the heavens are as high above the earth as my ways are above your ways, my thoughts above your thoughts. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord is near to all who call him. The Lord is near to all who call him. I will bless you day after day and praise your name forever. The Lord is great. Highly to be praised, his greatness cannot be measured. The Lord is near to all who call him. The Lord is kind and full of compassion, slow to anger, abounding in love. How good is the Lord to all, compassionate to all his creatures. The Lord is near to all who call him. The Lord is just in all his ways and loving in all his deeds. He is close to all who call him who call on him from their hearts. The Lord is near to all who call him. 
A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Christ will be glorified in my body, whether by my life or by my death. Life to me, of course, is Christ, but then death would bring me something more, but then again, if living in this body means doing work which is having good results, I do not know what I should choose. I am caught in this dilemma. I want to be gone and be with Christ, which would be very much the better. But for me to stay alive in this body is a more urgent need for your sake. Avoid anything in your everyday lives that would be unworthy of the gospel of Christ. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Alleluia. Open our hearts, O Lord, to listen to the words of your Son. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner going out at daybreak to hire workers for his vineyard. He made an agreement with the workers for one denarius a day and sent them to his vineyard. Going out at about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You go to my vineyard too, and I will give you a fair wage. So they went. At about the sixth hour, and again at about the ninth hour, he went out and did the same. Then at about the eleventh hour, he went out and found more men standing round, and he said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You go into my vineyard too. In the evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his bailiff, Call the workers and pay them their wages, starting with the last arrivals and ending with the first. So those who were hired at about the eleventh hour came forward and received one denarius each. When the first came, they expected to get more, but they too received one denarius each. They took it, but grumbled at the landowner. The men who came last, they said, have done only one hour, and you have treated them the same as us, though we have done a heavy day's work in all the heat. He answered one of them and said, My friend, I'm not being unjust to you. Did we not agree on one denarius? Take your earnings and go. I choose to pay the last comer as much as I pay you. Have I no right to do what I like with my own? Why be envious, because I am generous? Thus, the last will be first, and the first last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're going to ask people randomly, you know, like, what are your top three favourite parables? Is, is anyone going to say this one? I can imagine... Um, Good Samaritans up there, Prodigal Sons definitely up there, maybe the Lost Sheep, um, Parable of the Sower. But this one, I don't know. I it kind of leaves a, a sort of sour taste in the mouth, um, and I, I mean obviously it's supposed to, um, but it does kind of offend our sensibilities just a little bit. Don't our sympathies lie with those who kind of feel a little bit cheated? I mean, you know, we can see the point of the parable, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but 
These blokes only did an hour's work. The others, you know, they, they put in a whole day. It's funny, this parable always kind of sticks out in my mind a little bit because um, so I was ordained nine years ago, which means I've now gone three times round the three-year cycle of Sunday readings. So I was ordained in July, and so I started preaching in year A. Um, and I got to this parable, um, and I was asked to fill in at a different parish. And the, the main drive of what I was saying to the, to the parishioners on the Sunday was, well, you know, if God's Father, he knows how to apply his gifts, not according to what we deserve, but according to what we need. You know, and that's kind of the drive of what's going on in the parable, right? They all need a day's wages. They don't all need a day's work. The reason why this parable sticks out in my mind is because it was the first time that someone actually wrote me a letter of complaint about what I'd said. <laughs> and the thrust of the letter was, um, I mean, obviously he'd been reading some liberation theologians and was very focused on justice and upon wages and all that sort of stuff. And he was not at all happy with my interpretation of the inequality of the wages. Uh, but I don't know. I think his problem was more with Jesus than with me. <laughs> I suppose we've all got a bit of sympathy for that point, though. I mean, they did put in a whole day's work, as opposed to the others who, you know, really only arrived at one hour before knockoff and then, in addition, turned out to be the first ones paid. But I think there's something important to remember about the workers that we're talking about. We're talking about day labourers. We're talking about people who, they're not working under a contract. They don't have fixed employment. They go to the town square at the beginning of the day, hoping that a wealthy landowner is going to snap them up and give them a day's wages. These are people who are working from hand to mouth. And so you don't work you don't eat. What's your family going to do if you've been standing in the marketplace all day and no one's employed you? And so, you know, we get a sense of what the landowner's like. He sends his first batch of workers in. Fantastic. Goes back to the marketplace and sees that there are others who haven't been employed. Now, at this point, you kind of wonder, okay, what's the goal of the landowner? Is his goal the work that needs to be done? Is that his principal interest? Because if it is, he's got the help that he needs. The first batch, presumably, they're the ones who are going to accomplish what the landowner had in mind to finish. But it turns out that the aim of the landowner is not simply his land, but the worker. You go into my vineyard too. Yeah, I'm sure we'll find something for you because you need a day's wage. And then, you know, again at the sixth hour and the ninth hour and then right, right at the eleventh hour. That at this point, it's not even about the work that these people are going to do. It's not about how they're going to contribute to the vineyard. I mean... At knockoff time, like what are, you, what are you really going to accomplish? It's getting dark. You need to pick up your tools. You need to get started. You need to be instructed. I mean, really, you're not going to get anything profitably done. Why did the landowner do it? Well, for the sake of the worker, for them. 
And it's at this point that we actually do see the generosity of the landowner on display. And, you know, he rightly gives a, a kind of word of correction to the people who came at the beginning of the day. And it's like, well, I am generous. And I'm not going to apologise for that. And I'm certainly not going to apologise for that to you. I mean, a number of times the landowner goes to the town to discover that there are day labourers that haven't yet been hired. You know, we hear him say, why have you, why have you been standing here idle all day? Uh, because no one's hired us. And the, it, all right, you go into my vineyard too. And so the behaviour of the landowner, it's less an injustice towards those who are hired first than an act of generosity and kindness to those who are hired last. And the landowner shows himself concerned with merciful love to those in need, rather than the strict justice that gets only what is earned. But here's the power of the parable, right? It reveals how God acts with us. He shows his concern for his people. And he extends to us his merciful love over and above our deserving it. Aren't you glad you don't have to work a day in the heat to merit his love? You got it already. In his first um, encyclical, uh, Deus Caritas Est, uh, Pope Benedict wrote this. He said, God's passionate love for his people, for humanity, is at the same time a forgiving love. It's so great that it turns God against himself, his love against his justice. Now that's an astounding statement, to think that God's love would be so great as to go beyond the demands of justice. This statement of Pope Benedict describes the love that's on display in this parable. The landowner draws the workers into his vineyard, not for the sake of his vineyard, but for the sake of the workers. His interest is in them, over and above what they strictly deserve. God's passionate love for his people, for humanity, is at the same time a forgiving love. And it is so great that it turns God against himself, his love against his justice. Now here's the thing. This is how God acts with me. I think there's a real danger, um, especially for us cradle Catholics, to identify with the guys who get hired at the beginning of the day. And to think that, you know, we're the ones, like, we, we slaved away in the heat too. No, we didn't. Not at all. Look at the comparison. The ones who have spent their day standing idle in the marketplace. Were they on easy street? Were they living the high life? No, they were living a life that was so incredibly precarious that they didn't know if they were going to eat that night or not. Those who laboured in the vineyard laboured with the landowner, the one who, drawing them into the vineyard, has shown them mercy already. We may well have been born into our faith, but I tell you what, it's better to know that God is giving you your denarius than to wonder if there's life beyond today. 
you know what those workers who were hired at daybreak should have said? Thank you. I found a simple little prayer online, and it runs like this. Dear God, thanks for this beautiful life, and forgive me if I don't love it enough. And now let's together profess our faith by praying the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the the Father Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. 
we seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.